Welcome back to the Archives podcast. I'm your host and producer, Mareva Lindo. Today we bring you part five of a six-part documentary series on the history of the Old Town School of Folk Music, told through the voices and songs of the people who were there. If you haven't yet listened to the first four episodes in this series, I recommend going back and catching up before listening any further. Under the leadership of Jim Hirsch and Michael Miles in the 1980s and 90s, the school changed quite a bit, from the people teaching to the classes and programs offered to the people attending those classes and concerts. They worked to expand the perceived definition of folk, beyond the idea of people playing acoustic guitars and banjos, to make the Old Town School as welcoming as it had always been to a broader, more diverse community of Chicagoans than ever before. This episode explores two big ways the school has done that over the past 36 years, by teaching and showcasing Latin music and dance, and with the popular children's program, Wiggleworms. Part 1. From the Latin Music Festival to World Music Wednesday. I think maybe one of the more important things that that we did was broadening the school's vision to include world music. You may recognize the voice of former executive director Jim Hirsch. And that was a very intentional move on my part. Basically, in my second year, we started doing a a festival of Latin music um, every year. And that started in 1983, one year after I began. And that was my attempt to, again, broaden the tent, you know, make folk music more relevant to more people. But also, I really firmly believed that if we brought you know, diverse groups of people together to celebrate one another's, you know, musical and cultural tradition, it would just make the city a better place to live. So we started doing very intentional outreach to the Latino community and the African-American community. We began our first diversity initiative, and it really changed the face of Old Town. It was actually, you know, when I left 18 years later, the audience for Old Town School, the overall audience, we actually measured it back in 1983. And with less than 2% of the people that were attending uh, any Old Town School thing, you know, program were people of diverse backgrounds. You know, it was like 98.5% Caucasian and 1.5% other. And when I left, that number changed to over 33% of the audience were from diverse backgrounds. One of my proudest accomplishments, quite frankly you know, really creating that kind of access and showcasing the amazing music and culture that the city holds. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, es mi tierra natal. No la cambio por ninguna, aunque me paguen un capital. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, es mi tierra natal. Sí. Te canta 
To the, I speak Spanish, hablo español un poco muy despacio, and solamente in the present tense. And uh, and I went to the the Puerto Rican Cultural Center uh, on Claremont Avenue near North. That's Michael Miles, Old Town School teaching artist and former program director. And uh, I went into the basement of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center and um, and spoke to the community there and said, you know, because it's 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 about a five-minute drive from the Old Town School on Armitage, and uh, met with the community there and said, we are, you know, we're nearly your neighbors here, and, uh, and, and we, you know, we're bringing to Chicago these, these artists. And at that point, we had three weekends. One was Puerto Rican, one was Mexican, and one was roughly South American. And um, it was the first time, you know, the Old Town School, thanks to Jim, uh, was, uh, you know, we'd pr- programmed this uh, but long before the city of Chicago did any uh, Latino uh, or Hispanic, there was a question of what word was the appropriate one to use, um, music programming of any sort. They didn't do any. And, uh, and it was clear to us that the d- demographics of the city were changing, and this was, uh, the, and the musical traditions were rich beyond compare. And, and there was, again, there's all this great music in the city. It was the first time I hired, I hired a percussionist from Puerto Rico who did not speak a single word of English. And I hired a translator to work with him, and he was brilliant. And, uh, um, and so that was, a, that was a very exciting time. Yes, I'm Juan Diaz. I was a student of uh, ethnomusicology at Indiana University in 1989. Uh, I was doing a PhD in ethnomusicology, and I was uh, not happy with my program the first year. I wasn't sure that I had chosen the right field. So there was an advertisement for an internship at the Old Town School of Folk Music in the folklore project. And uh, one of my advisors said, why don't you try that for a summer, see if you like it, and if you do, then come back and finish as quickly as possible and go back to doing what you like. And I did. I came here to the school, uh, worked for Paul Tyler on an exhibition of Guatemalan textiles here in the city. And I worked all summer. I was very pumped about the field of folklore, and I, uh, I finished a master's degree and uh, at that point, a position opened at the Old Town School for a director of community outreach. Uh, 
And I called Michael Miles and he said, you should apply for it, you know, and, and I did. That was September. Uh, the position actually was offered in April. So I waited a long time for that position to open, but I got it. And then uh, I worked for 13 years for the school after that. And uh, I was charged with an effort to diversify the ethnic composition of the school, the clientele, by changing the programs or the marketing or anything that was necessary across the school to achieve that. Uh, the director there was, uh, was Jim Hirsch, and he was convinced that this was the right thing to do for the business future of the school, given the demographic uh, evolution of Chicago's population. And Michael Miles was excited about the artistic end of it, that you know it would bring a lot of new styles of uh, folk music and be able to bring other artists and stuff. The Old Town School of Folk Music was founded in 1957 as a very ethnically diverse, inclusive institution. There was a uh, Brazilian singer named uh, Valusha. There was um, Ella Jenkins, Big Bill Brunzi. They were all very involved in the very first month of the school. People were interested in all kinds of uh, music from different parts of the world. Somehow, that was lost in the in the in the sixties and the seventies. Basically, the school moved to uh, Armitage Avenue, and they basically closed their their doors to to the community that was around them. It was a mostly a Puerto Rican neighborhood then, and they kind of did their thing inside and didn't relate to the community that much. That was uh, that was bad business for the school. It contributed a lot to the loss of uh, student population and, uh, you know, the few people that were in there were very passionate about what they're doing, but even the, the genre of folk music was, was passing on and people were getting interested in other things in, uh, in progressive rock and disco and other st things that were coming up in the 70s. So, yeah, there was a little friction in the school about, like, where is the school going to be heading to? You know, we were, yeah. we're based on a strong you know, American folk tradition and these, you know, foreign styles may not be like following that same path, you know, there was, so we had to do a little bit of inreach and a little bit of outreach. We started uh, approaching African-Americans about why don't you come to the old town school? They said, folk music. Yeah, I said, I don't even know. I don't even think my white friends are interested in that music. You know, it was like yeah. a bad word. And some of the consultants we spoke to in the early 90s, they were recommending that, that we change the name of the school, that we take the F word out of the, the words of the school. But we stuck to our guns. We said, no, no, we're just going to yeah. change people's perspective about what folk means. And they started a Latin music festival each year uh, back in 19, 1986. With, uh, first year was Flaco Jimenez, 
Lidia Mendoza and Beto Laguna, who was a harpist from Veracruz, who was living here in town. So they did basically three concerts, you know, one weekend apart, and that became like a month-long festival of Latin music. And they were very successful from the beginning. They they got community help from uh, uh, Bill Sayas, who was a, a radio personality, uh, Alisa Becker, who was... Um, also, very good friends with uh, some South American uh, groups, the uh, Raices del Ande, and then uh, Jamil Bueno. He was an executive with AT&T, but he was also a, a member of Raices del Ande and a skilled musician and eventually a board member for the Old Town School. So they helped the school establish and, and promote this festival of Latin music from 1986 until 1993 which is when I, when I came in, they had already produced 10 of these festivals. And they were very happy with the results. But the problem was that they would attract a lot of people and then they would not see them for the rest of the year because they didn't have any more programming to keep coming back. Michael Miles had an idea to program Wednesday nights. They, the, the concert hall in 909 West Armitage was, was unprogrammed after 8 o'clock. And mm. he said, why don't you do like a little musical series and maybe call it uh, Miércoles Musicales or something like that. And I said, well, I, I like everything about it except for the name. You know, I like, I think we could call it La Peña. And I explained to him what, what a peña was. You know, it's, a, it's kind of like an open mic where people from the community can come up and, and, and just play. But sometimes even just one or two songs. Um, and it wasn't the first peña in Chicago. There was a peña at the Nyandu restaurant, and, uh, and then Nelson Sosa started peñas like in the 80s also. <laughs> but, you know, it was a new concept for the school, and, uh, and that's when we started. We started inviting one group every week, every Wednesday. And at first we had uh, maybe 25 or 30 people attending, and it slowly built up over the years. And then when we moved to the, to the Hill Library, then the stage was much larger, and uh, then the peñas became a little more professional. We got a little more money to produce them. My name is Matthew Mulcahy, uh, known around town as Mateo, Director of Community Projects and Events. I'm Karima Dowdy. I'm here with Mateo, my friend, colleague, mentor. What was your first interaction with the school? You know, I, I, I don't know that I remember my first interaction with the school because I grew up in Lincoln Park and uh, we were about seven, eight blocks from the Old Town School. And, um, and uh, we would attend concerts and 
you know, my parents were were very involved in the whole folk music movement at the time. So Steve Goodman and Bonnie Kolak and all those people were household names for us, and we listened to them all the time. Uh, but my first actual memory, I was an unusual uh, person musically. I had very, very diverse interests. Um, and when I was about 14 years old, um, I would describe myself as a punk rocker. I was, that's, that's what I did most of the time musically, is I was interested in punk rock, punk rock and reggae. And um, I also loved banjo music. And I very curiously talked to my parents and told them that I wanted to take banjo lessons. And they looked at me a little surprised and uh, decided that they would uh, that they would give me some banjo lessons. So I would walk to the old town school and take uh, banjo lessons. It didn't last terribly long. I, I did like the really fast banjo stuff. from Chicago when I was 18, and uh, I moved back um, 22 years later when I got the job at the Old Town School. So I was aware of the work that my predecessor was doing in terms of uh, uh, outreach to the Latino community and the, and the music and festivals that he was producing because I collaborated with him from St. Louis. I produced a Latin American festival that he produced here. This was Juan Diaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan Diaz uh, used to produce an annual festival here at the Old Town School of Latin American music, and uh, and I contacted him and and brought that that whole festival to St. Louis. So I was familiar with Juan, and well, I was hired to be the director of community projects and events here. And I took over two existing series, which you mentioned earlier, the Afrofolk series and the Pena series. And those were two uh, separate series run by separate people. And when I came in, I was asked to create relationships with community organizations, institutions, people, and to help diversify the school. And I began producing the two existing series and I created a world music series to fill in the gaps because I saw that there were a lot of gaps um, in our programming. And if what we were going to do was reach out to the different ethnic communities here in Chicago, then, then we, weren't, we weren't reaching out to everybody. So I created the world music series, which eventually became the one series. I folded Afrofolk and Pena into the world music series. But my primary purpose here, I think, has been to help diversify the school and to, and to create relationships. And um, so I'm, I'm proud of the, the diversity that I've brought to the school and the relationships that we've created here at the school and, 
you know, I, I, I believe that it's a much more diverse institution than the one I found in 2006. Learning with love. Lulu, skip to Malu. Lulu, skip to Malu. Lulu, skip to Malu. Skip to Malu, my darling. Lost my partner, what'll I do? Lost my partner, what'll I do? Lost my partner, what'll I do? Skip to Malu, my darling. Hi, I'm Katie Lahiff, and... I also have gone by Kathy, so people who may have known me in the years past may know me that way, officially Kathleen. And my name is Erin Flynn, or Erin Kathleen Flynn. (laughs) Got something in common. (laughs) And um, I'm the program manager for children's music at the Old Town School of Folk Music, and I first met Katie Probably, I guess it was a year and a half ago or so, maybe maybe almost coming up on two years now. So. Mm-hmm. so the 30th anniversary was of Wiggle Worms was in 2015 because Wiggle Worms started in 1985, and I felt like it was a long time coming that I needed to just hear Katie's story about how Wiggle Worms came to be at the Old Town School of Folk Music to really connect with the legacy and the intention, the original intention and so I reached out and then we went for some coffee and then mm-hmm. we made a great show together mm-hmm. in, in December of 2015 to celebrate that anniversary. I was going to DePaul 
down the street from 909 and was piano was my main instrument but I'd always wanted to play guitar and I'd taken some guitar lessons off and on with some of my different friends or something and then on my own and then finally I'd heard about the Old Town School four blocks away because I was living down there in that area and I came down here and signed up for a class and I just it felt like one of those feelings oh this is home this Mm -hmm. is what I really I just loved it and wanted to do it and then I found out that Ray Tate another friend said well you know he's teaching over a class at DePaul you can just take a class with him here so I signed up for his class did more guitar this is like my senior year so I knew Ray and then I came back to the old town school after that and there was Ray and a year later he says well I think it's time for you to start teaching I said what and he said uh I said piano said no guitar (laughs) so he signed me up guitar one I was teaching and um I love that too. I just felt so great to to be teaching. I didn't really, I was finding my way as a teacher, but I hadn't known that I'd be teaching. And so I got my first major teaching job here and that expanded. I taught piano and children's program. It just kept growing. And I'll find another one quicker than you. I'll find another one quicker than you. I'll find another one quicker than you. Skip to my loom, my darling. I just love to hear about those first days of wiggle worms and sort of how that all came to be and what you were dreaming of and hoping for. I would say 1982, I had your job. Uh, I was the director of the children's programs. And I did that for three years. And when during that time, I had received a phone call a lot of phone calls, but one particular phone call was from a woman from the south side suburbs. Her name was Mary Ellen Pinzino. And she asked me, I think she just wanted to make connections. She said, I just wanted to talk and find out, you know, what's going on. And she was telling me a little bit about herself. And she had a program called Come Children Sing Institute down in Homewood. You know, she had children coming with their moms or mostly moms at that time as young as six months and she invited me to come down and just see what was going on with it I was really intrigued by it because we would have sometimes people occasionally call and say do you have anything for a two-year-old and and we didn't and I didn't even know of any programs for any children that young we started we had we had an ORF program for children as young as four. We had okay. an ORF teacher who, who taught some courses. Um, so when she told me she was teaching a program for children that young, I wanted to go down and see what it was about. So I traveled down uh, to visit her and to watch a couple of classes that she was teaching, and I was really moved by what mm. I saw. It was just so beautiful to see this interaction going on with singing, with the children, with their parents, moving around, uh, doing little rhythm instruments, singing songs, and and it was just, well, it was just love. It was really basically what it was. It was just sharing this music with love. So I was really intrigued by it, and she she said, well, if you'd like, you know, if you want to come and I can show you what I'm doing. And so I said, yeah, I would would enjoy that. I would love to find out about that. Mm -hmm. And she also introduced me to some of the theory, music theory things that Mm -hmm. she had been exploring, which was the work of Dr. Edwin Gordon. And so he was, I mean, he was out in Pennsylvania and did a whole 
his whole life's work was music learning theory, and he had started to move into music learning theory for the little preschoolers, mm-hmm. the little ones, which he hadn't done at that point. It okay. had started more like school age, but his whole business was about how music needs to come in at a very early age, and he talked all about how the brain, mm-hmm. you know, that corpus callosum doesn't close till a certain amount of time, and when it's open and the children are that young, they can absorb sound and speech like no other time in their life. So it was really impressed me, the educational component of it, mm-hmm. too, is how we can feed these different modes, different rhythms. We can really build a music vocabulary to feed into children and that movement, how movement was so important, movement and rhythm and and uh, singing for pitch and for mm-hmm. melody. So I just became really excited about it, and I, and I took some courses with her, and I studied with him as well. He was giving some uh, preschool mm-hmm. music learning theory programs out in Pennsylvania. And so by the time I had done three years of directing the program, I was kind of came to realize that I really didn't want to do administrative work. I was really burned out. So when I turned in my resignation for that, and I said, but I know someone else who wants, you know, who'd be good for the job. And so it was Vicki Moss. So uh-huh. she took the mantle of directing the children's programs. And I said to her, but what I'd really like to do is bring a program here for teaching these young children. Flies in the buttermilk, shoe fly shoe. Flies in the buttermilk, shoe fly shoe. Flies in the buttermilk, shoe fly shoe. Skip to my little, my darling. What made you know or what was your instinct and in- that it would fit here at Old Town School. What made it an elegant fit? What made you passionate about doing it here? And was there any, like, resistance to that? Yeah, I, well, I wanted to do it here because it's where I was, and I just mm. thought, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. We had the space. We could. We had music going on for all ages, mm-hmm. so let's bring in the really youngest ones. Mm-hmm. There was just a little doubt about would something like this work? Mm. I said, well, let's give it a try. I said, you know, just, just give it a try. And it really grew pretty fast. We started with one class. Mm-hmm. And as I was uh, telling you, literally was up in what was called Guthrie Hall at the time at mm-hmm. 909, the large room on the second floor. And it may have had just five or six students mm-hmm. coming with either caregivers or moms. There might have been a dad there. So that's just how it began in the fall. By, I think, at some point not too long after that, we added a second class. I did both of those to begin with. And Sue Sue Fisher Yellen reminds mm-hmm. me that one time I couldn't sing because I had a sore throat. Mm-hmm. She was in the first class with her daughter. Mm-hmm. And I said, Sue, you, you lead the singing and we'll <laughs> do the, the movement. And, mm-hmm. and then she became really interested too mm-hmm. and so wanted to be a teacher. And by the next fall... Carol Weston also mm-hmm. came on. More and more teachers just started adding on. More and more classes just it took off. How did you find yourself defining the curriculum, the approach? You kind of took some time. It's almost like three years of a ta- from 82 to 85 of you exploring the, the music learning theory and going to study in Philadelphia. And you did this very intentionally, I feel like, which is so beautiful to know. Well, I I shared a lot of it with Sue. Mm -hmm. I think when Carol came in, she had already been doing a lot of it with music with children. And Mm. and actually this happened with all the other teachers. They really 
pretty much came in and did their own thing. Maybe they mm -hmm. observed a class. Yeah. So it wasn't so much that there was a continuation yeah. with all of us of the educational part of it in the same way that I understood it. People brought in and, and all the different teachers brought in their own ways and so they and their own styles mm -hmm. of teaching. I think the, even the bigger key is the joy mm -hmm. and the love of making music because that just opens. It's just it's a heart practice. And the children, they bring those songs home. You know, all the teachers will talk about this. Some of the children who are very shy in the room and don't necessarily sing, on the way home, they remember everything. They're singing the songs. So it's important for that interaction, too, between parent and child, because if they can bring that home, they support that music development at home, they're learning the whole language of music. It's music literacy. We can have a generation of people who can learn how to learn and appreciate music, and you start that young. You have to start that young. But it's so it's all of it. It's the, it's the love, it's the joy, and it's development and the love of music and language, um, music language. It's all, it's all about learning with love. Hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's totally hard. Yeah. And to be involved in doing that kind of work is mm -hmm. just feeds your own heart. Lulu, skip to my loo. Lulu, skip to my loo. Lulu, skip to my loo. Skip to my loo, my darling. We're going to start with a little song, How We Met. Sounds good. Bling, bling. Hammer with my hammer, zingo, zango, cutting with my saw. Bling, bling, hammer with my hammer, zingo, zango, cutting with my saw. You get hammer and I get nail. You catch bird and I catch snail. You get a board and I get a saw. We'll build a house for the baby o. Bling, bling, hammer with my hammer, zingo, zango, cutting with my saw. Bling, bling, hammer with my hammer, zingo, zango, cutting with my saw. My name is Karen Banks Lubich, and I'm interviewing my colleague and friend and former boss, Laura Doherty. I'm Laura Doherty, and I'm interviewing my friend and colleague. Karen Banks Lubich. When I first applied at the Old Town School of Folk Music for a job as a Wiggle Worms teacher, you were the director of Wiggle Worms, and that's what I auditioned with in front of you. And you thought, oh, that's a good song. I hadn't heard that. And it's a Woody Guthrie song. And um, I grew up with Woody Guthrie songs, and my dad, you know, has, we have some history here, uh, dad taking lessons and things. But how did you come to the Old Town School? Yeah, I actually discovered the Old Town School in 1993, and I was working at a job downtown, and somebody mentioned Old Town School, and at that point, I was, they told me about a singing class, so I decided to sign up for Margaret Bell's uh, vocal singing class. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It's a, a doo-wop singing class, so that was my first introduction to Old Town, and I was in that class for a couple of years, and oddly enough, I wasn't playing that much guitar, but that was my first introduction. I was 23 years old. But you had old. played a little bit of guitar before then? Oh, yeah. I had okay. started playing in high school. I really didn't explore Old Town School beyond the vocal class, and I 
left for a few years and went and did some improv classes. I was sort of just exploring the arts in Chicago. And then I came back around 1996, and that's when I got hooked. And I, like, I remember walking into the building on Armitage, and Steve Levitt was leading at first Friday. I forget what it was called. Oh, okay, Song like Circle. A gather all or... Yeah, it was like right at the beginning of the night. There was like a sing along right in the lobby, and I was like, "Wow, this place is so homey," you know. And they were singing songs that I knew, and then some older folk songs that I didn't know. But it was just like such a warm, inviting feeling. And I started volunteering at the First Friday events, and then I would get up and play at the open mic. They had like an open mic at First Friday, and I started taking guitar classes with Steve Levitt and. I remember Mark Dvorak and, you know, taking specialty classes. So I was taking, like, Crosby, Stills, and Nash Ensemble. Since I already knew how to play, I was didn't go through the regular program. And then I started volunteering, volunteering at concerts and kids' events and working in the summer camp, and that's when I really got hooked. At this, at this point, this was 1997, and at this point we were just about to open this location here in Lincoln Square. So we were about to grow and expand and hire, they were hiring new people. So it was at the, the right place at the right time. And I, it, I had become friends with Carrie Sheehan and I had asked her, you know, uh, let me know if there's any openings, you know, and it turns out they needed help in their kids program. So I first got hired as a Wiggle Worms teacher because uh, I was taking piano lessons with Carrie. That's how I met her. And then I started volunteering, and then she said, hey, I think you'd make a great Wiggle Worms teacher. So she really is the person who had some faith in me, and I, ha- I hadn't worked with kids before that. And, uh, but I gave it a try. I, I auditioned and sat in some classes, and I thought, yeah, this is, this is great. I think I can do this. And so it was a natural fit. So I first, that was my, I first got hired, um, and we hadn't even opened this building yet, so I taught in a little yoga studio up in Lincoln Square. We were getting ready to open this building. So my very first class was at this nice, calm yoga studio. <laughs> and I remember John Lankford was in my first class oh. with his six-month-old, who's now in college. <laughs> <laughs> and within that year, I had decided to leave the other job because I really, I just wanted to immerse myself at Old Town. And I hung around Old Town School talking to everybody, saying, if you know of any jobs opening up, and, you know, lo and behold, they needed a, a help in the kids' department. And so Carrie hired me part-time, and then that quickly moved to a full-time job. And she said, you can teach classes here at night and teach, keep teaching on the side. And I got a job teaching in the adult program, guitar program. So it all kind of snowballed and happened within a year and I was thrilled. If all of the raindrops were lemon drops and gumdrops, oh what a rain that would be. I'd stand outside with my mouth open wide singing ah 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 if all of the raindrops are lemon drops and gum drops, oh what a rain that would be. And how about you? Did you come here as a kid? As well, a teen, I, I in the sixties, you know, my dad 
he took a class with Win Strachey. Now, I remembered him saying, I thought he said he took guitar lessons, but I, I was in the hallway once with Frank Hamilton, and I went up. I was so excited to see him. I said, you know, Frank, my, my dad took guitar classes with Win Strachey, and he said, impossible. He never taught guitar classes. I said, oh, oh okay. So I, I actually <laughs> asked my dad that, and he said, no, it was, it was just like a, uh, it wasn't learning how to play. It was might have been one of those, With I don't know Maddie, what it was. Maybe? Yeah, it was... could have been that. So, But anyway, we used to come Sunday. They had like a Sunday family sing-along. And I, I remember sitting on the floor looking up at this sea of guitar players and music stands. And I knew the songs because my dad would learn them at, and then bring them home. And he had his book, you know, his three-ring binder with all the songs in which we still have today. He was my first um, introduction to it. But then it was years later, I think when I was about, I know I, I remember taking um, a class with Ted Parrish, thinking I wanted to be the next Bonnie Raitt. You know, it was slide guitar. And it didn't didn't stick with me very much, but it was it was fun. And then I um, years went by and I you know, got married, had my we had our daughter and I was I went to school for teaching. So teaching um, and I and played in a band with our good friend Mike Vigil who we sorely lost but uh, when Kayla was about three years old and I was just working sporadically uh, doing picking up things um, I started looking for you know something to do while she's in preschool or you know a couple days a week I wrote a letter sent it off to you and I got a the next day I get a call and the next day after that I was in and you said like, can you start tomorrow? Basically, it was right, boom, right boom, place boom. At the right, time, right, right, right. It yeah. was, it was perfect, and that was in '98. So I've been here almost 19 years. It is pretty unique. Um, I know there's other music programs for kids out there, but there's no place with where um, the teachers they can bring their own songs like you have. But you know, writing and bringing your own songs to the the class and bringing the kids songs that they make up or you know it's it's very open-ended and it's very yeah. all about the joy and the creativity and and the community which is huge it's such a joyful place to be a wiggle worms class and um i you can't have a bad day teaching going in there <laughs> you know the, these little faces light up i agree um, it is, it's a very social situation and i i always tell parents at the beginning of the session even if you don't think you have a nice voice, your baby loves your voice. Absolutely. So I always encourage them yeah. to sing along. You know, I say some mm -hmm. of the songs you'll you'll know. We do, you know, a lot of traditional kids' music, and yeah. then some of them I'll I'll guide you through. I do, yes, yeah, some a little bit of my own material, and you know, we borrow songs from each other. Right. Like I was right. saying, I play your uh, back and forth mm -hmm. song, and my because it's a perfect lullaby song, and. And I have heard parents that really felt they couldn't sing, and maybe they weren't that good, but they've, I've heard them get better. Yeah. It's, that, that is a huge success because the parent is more empowered, too. Right. Well, actually, and my favorite thing, I love when I hear some, a parent singing off-key. I know that yeah. sounds funny, but I love it because it's, it's... It's okay. Not, it's, it's okay. It's, yeah. not, it's about that you are spending musical time with your child... And you belt it out, sister, or belt it or, out in the same way. <laughs> I had a dad that completely uh, clapped off beat, yeah, very loudly on, on several songs, yeah. And but it's like I had to appreciate that Absolutely. he was uh, he was so 
attentive to his daughter and, you know, he was so into the class that it, it didn't matter. You know, we were we were all making music together and I never met a kid that didn't like music. Um, I, and I watched so much, even in classes that I teach without parents there, how kids, they imitate every little movement you're doing. They, they, they watch and they're sponges and they follow along. So if the parents are singing along, the, the kids will realize it's important yeah. too. And maybe not right away, but you know, they'll always, uh, parents will tell you, you wouldn't believe it because he or she does nothing all during class and goes home and sings all these songs. Or in the car. I had a little guy in my room and he asked if he could bring his friend to Wigworms the next week. And I said, sure, you know, and he said, her name is Ella. And I said, okay, I'll see Ella. And so it was up at Armitage on the second floor. I remember, like, being in the hall. It was room nine, I think. And so I'm watching him walk down the hall. He says, my friend Ella is here. And I said, oh, good. And around the corner, here comes Ella Jenkins. I'm like, oh, that Ella. <laughs> um, great, wow. you know. She came to class. And, no and pressure. This, this, I know. And she brought her little harmonica, and she did a couple songs. And it was just so sweet. That's and so great. Joey. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And then another, somebody else asked if they could bring Johnny Frigo to my class. Oh, the violin? The violinist. And I played Old MacDonald Had a Farm with Johnny Frigo on lead. <laughs> so how about that, you know? And a, a couple other tunes. I was so, I, I really was nervous because I, I consider myself like a, a folky, you know, and not a very good guitarist. Yeah. And he just, uh, he was so gracious and so wonderful, and he just loved watching the kids, and it was, yeah. it was just a riot. Laura, you have been, you are an inspiration to me, actually. Aww. No, truly, because when you said that you were going to give up your job at, as being <laughs> at administrator, it's your favorite place in the world, place in the world to be full-time kids musician going full-time and what it entailed, that was huge risk. And, and not that I didn't believe in you, but <laughs> I am so impressed how you've done it and, and the songs you have written. You've got so many really good kids songs. I mean, there you. you are really one of my favorite kids songs writers, Thank and I'm you. not just saying that because <laughs> I know you. And but um, and this one I told you is one of my favorites, and I have many favorites. But you're gonna do the tree, right? And yeah. I'm gonna try and sing I'm a along tree, with it's you. Called. Yeah, so sure. beautiful. I'm a tree. I'm a tree. Won't you climb to the top of me? Climbing, climbing, way up high. I'm a tree, I'm a tree. You can always lean your back on me. I'm a tree. I'm a tree, I'm a tree. The owls are friends with me They stay with me at night When the sun's out of sight They sing a song for me They sing Who are you? I'm a tree I'm a tree Hope I live to one hundred and three Thank you.
This has been The Archives. Tune in again next Thursday for a special episode featuring archival recordings from the La Peña series and conversation with Haranero and Old Town School teaching artist Raul Fernandez. For the past two years, Raul has been digitizing and cataloging the music of La Peña, World Music Wednesday, and Latin music concerts recorded at the school. Recently, he began contributing editing to the podcast, and the episode you just heard marks Raul's debut as assistant producer. Many thanks to all the artists and voices you heard on this podcast today. All the conversations featured in this episode were gathered in collaboration with National Oral History Project StoryCorps. To listen to more excerpts, hear full interviews, and learn more about this ongoing partnership, go to oldtownschool.org slash StoryCorps. That's S-T-O-R-Y-C-O-R-P-S. See the episode notes for detailed information on all the music and interviews you heard today. This week, if you do one thing to support us, we ask that you like the Archives podcast on Facebook. If you already follow us there, make sure to hit the See First option under Following to make sure you see our posts. I'm your host, Marie Valindo. Thank you for listening. Sometime how the blues a little bit, baby. That's the glory of love.